Welcome back to the Route Runners podcast. I'm your host, Jared. I'm Shrieker. I'm Jason. This is the first episode that we have back on uh, recording. So obviously, you know, finding us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we've done a lot of YouTube throughout this entire summer. It is um, the first week of July, and we have gone the entire summer so far doing YouTube, doing the Ultimate NFL Redraft. You can check that out, obviously, on YouTube. Uh, at route, route runners podcast just type that in and you should be able to find all the rounds of the ultimate redraft what we've been doing is a complete redraft of every nfl team using all nfl players in the entire league so players like dak prescott aaron Rodgers, jj watt uh nick chubb all kind of every current active player we're take we're um using the original draft order from this year and drafting it just like that and it's been a blast and yeah so obviously you can find that on youtube we did a fantasy football mock draft last week me shrieker and jason all did that uh, and that was a really fun time so you guys can check that out for maybe some fantasy football uh advice and kind of what we're thinking uh going into starting doing fantasy research but uh it's time we talk about like the NFL. we haven't really done that kind of since the nfl draft and since we kind of recapped all of that, which is like our last week in school. But yeah, so what we're going to be doing starting uh, pretty much for the rest of the summer, I guess, this along with the rest of the Ultimate Redraft, whenever James does come back from his vacation, is we're going to be talking about uh, pretty much every division. We're going to be doing like a certain outlook on the division, just like, you know, what we kind of think it's going to be looking like throughout the rest of the, uh, throughout the 2022 season. And we got three kind of fun things that we're going to be talking about, uh, with, with each division as well. But, uh, a lot happened. Well, kind of a lot happened this week. We have other stuff to talk about beforehand. Um, yesterday we found out Baker Mayfield is officially not a part of the Browns anymore, traded to the Panthers for a fifth round pick, which was definitely, an interesting trade. Uh, Cleveland pretty much had no leverage, so at least they got something out of it. But yeah, what do you what do you guys think about this move? Do we think that Carolina is going to be some sort of a contender, or do we think that this is just you know just your average you know quarterback trade? I mean, considering he he is still a former first overall pick, so I don't know if he's really had like a a fair shot in Cleveland just because. I mean, we don't know what it'll be like in Carolina because in Cleveland it's like a run-first offense. He doesn't really get the pass much anyways. So maybe he had the mindset of like, oh, I need to make every pass count and try and make like this huge pass. And I don't know, maybe the new offense will be able to calm down a little bit, just get it to his receivers, get to his weapons. And I don't know, I, I kind of have high hopes for him in Carolina because that is a team that could be good right now, like, we were thinking just last year, like they're a QB away, and everyone thought Sam Darnold might be that guy, but he didn't end up working out. So maybe Baker will be that guy because we know they have a pretty good young defense. So they do, they also have some good weapons like DJ Moore, McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, who we'll see if he likes his new QB. But um, I I think it could be a pretty good team depending on how Baker plays. If he plays. This could be a playoff team. Yeah, I I just want to say I feel like this is going to be another Will Greer situation all over again with Matt Corral. 
because the Panthers did trade up for him, and now he's kind of just stuck there because, like, no matter who wins the QB competition between Darnold and Baker, I feel like whoever loses that is going to be this second string, and then that just makes Matt Corral, like, third string. So he is a third-round QB, but, like, I, I just feel bad for the guy. Yeah, I was, I was like, considering that because, like, this team also has P.J. Walker on the roster who, like, Look, I don't think that he's anything crazy, but, I mean, when he's been given a shot, he has not been terrible. And I totally forgot that this team drafted Mackerel also. I was like, okay, it's going to be between Baker and Darnold. Baker will probably win it, and then Darnold will probably just end up getting cut, honestly, because I think his contract is probably more expensive. The team also last year had Cam Newton, so there's just been so much quarterback turmoil in Carolina. It's It's kind of been crazy. I don't know, like... Do you guys think it's a complete lock for Cam to win this job or for Baker to win this job? Well, um, considering they only like trade a fifth <clears> round pick <throat> for him, I guess like there isn't a lock because they, if you trade like a first or second round pick, you kind of have to give him that opportunity for a while. But like they only gave him a fifth round pick. So if one QB's better in training camp than Baker, like they're probably just going to give him the shot because it's, you know, it's, it's low risk when you only give a yeah. fifth round pick. Like if he doesn't end up working out, like oh well, not a big deal. I just um I have the herd on in like the background, and he just did like his trivia thing that he does like for every like commercial break. Yeah, uh, Baker Mayfield has thrown the most interceptions since being drafted in 2018, and guess who's second? Darnold. It is Darnold. Baker, I think it's at 58, and Darnold was 53. That's actually crazy considering the Browns run the ball so much. That and the fact that they're now on the same team. Yeah, it's going to be wild. I don't know. If I had to predict, I think Darnold's going to end up getting cut. And I think that Matt Corral will be the backup if Baker ever gets hurt. Baker also, like, it's kind of like a one-year prove-it deal kind of thing because they didn't, like, extend him or anything, which at this point I think that Panthers would be crazy to do. Um I think that, you know, he'll either be really good, decent enough this year that they can extend him, or if he's bad, they have Matt Corral to back him up, and he can be the guy of the, I guess, short, or the guy of the near future. I think that Darnold is done. I think what we saw last year was pretty much enough. The only production that we really saw from Darnold last year was running, and that was only kind of in the first four weeks. So I'm not too confident in Carolina. At all. I, I don't think that they're going to be a playoff team. I saw a thing today that, like, they're a sneaky playoff team. Look, the NFC isn't all that good, but I don't think that they're one of the teams to get there, me personally. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, like, looking over some Panthers fan pages to see, like, what they're thinking about, like, the trade since this rumor has been, like, there this whole summer to pretty much. And mo- a lot of them are now, like, I guess the stage of denial where there's – they're just kind of just saying, oh, now we have, like, an actual QB competition as if, like, they haven't had Teddy Bridgewater come through their team and Darnold, and it's been a mess. Yeah. And the other thing with this, too, is that this – New OC as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, that that as well. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I still just don't have a lot. I like Baker as a player, but I don't really love the situation as much as other people. I still think that their offensive line is pretty – bad and I hate Matt Rule as a coach but I think what like what's also interesting with this move is that he landed in Carolina as opposed to Seattle 
And there is one other quarterback that's been considered to be like on the block for the last couple of months, and that's Jimmy Garoppolo, who obviously plays with the 49ers. Do the 49ers really want to trade Jimmy Garoppolo in division? Yeah. And like, or, or are they going to just have Jimmy Garoppolo ride the bench and spend $20 million on that? Like, I, I don't, like, that, that's what I think is the most interesting thing about this move is that now, what do the Niners do with Jimmy Garoppolo and their Trey Lance situation? And that also, in a way, also brings up Debo because just having that dead, like, that dead cap pretty much with Jimmy Garoppolo, knowing that he's not going to be your starting quarterback for the future and having, Debo in the background asking for more money every day. It's yeah. Well, I mean, there there are some situations where Jimmy Garoppolo could get traded, but, like, it wouldn't necessarily make sense this season, but, like, thinking towards the future, like, with the Texans, Davis Mills might not end up working out. Maybe just, like, a little bit of a one-year one last year. And also, Buccaneers, we don't really know how much longer Tom Brady's going to play. He already retired once. Or was it twice? I don't know. He Once. Okay, yeah, that's Gronk who did it twice. Yeah. Um, they could send him there. Be the same situation as New England before. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be interesting. We don't know how long Aaron Rodgers is going to keep playing. Like there, there are a lot of older QBs who Jimmy Garoppolo could take over for after. Like, even Steelers, like, what if Kenny Pickett doesn't work out? Yeah, there are definitely some options. It's just interesting, though, for this season, like, what they're going to do because we don't – like, do they really want to waste $20 million just on their bench and go with Trey Lance? Like, maybe Trey Lance isn't ready yet. Maybe Garoppolo does end up starting this year still because now there's kind of no immediate place to trade him unless you do go for Seattle. But, again, that is in division, so – it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know. Maybe nothing will happen. Maybe Cleveland could end up trading for him if uh, Deshaun is actually suspended. I, I, that, that could be interesting as well. But, yeah, definitely, you know, interesting. It's kind of the first trade we've seen, like, since the draft. It's, you know, we didn't really have much going on up until now. So, at least it's got something for people to talk about in the NFL world. But, well, that and Gronk, pretty much. And, like, McLaurin getting signed and Cup getting signed and all that kind of stuff. But something that uh, happened in the college football world that, you know, we, ha- we haven't really touched on-, on college football as much. We're definitely going to be doing that more um, leading up to this season as we're going to be covering Penn State football as well. But um, in the Big Ten, USC and UCLA in 2024 will officially be joining. So only two years left for them in the Pac-12. I personally hate this. I think, like, you know, good for them, like, the fact that, like, they're getting into a much better conference now. But for, like, for Penn State, like, I absolutely hate it. It's going to be at least once a year where they're going to have to travel all the way west, basically coast to coast. And it just, I don't know, it, it bothers me. I think it, it makes, like, it, it just makes everything so much more complicated because you have to account for them. Like, all of the road games are going to be completely out of the way whereas like before they're just going to like you or they're going to Oregon or they're going to Arizona or something like that whereas now they have to travel cross country every other week mm-hmm. well yeah I think it's all very interesting because it looks like college football is going to turn into Big Ten and SEC that's pretty much it yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
But yeah, your point about Penn State having every other, probably every year they're off to go to California. I mean, USC and UCLA, like you said, they're going to be going across the country for half their games. Um, I, my first thought is I wonder like how they will do in the snow and the cold environment because they're used to always playing in the warm. That's true. Or most of the time they're playing in the warm. So I wonder if the kids that they recruit out of all the, the California and that stuff, like if they're going to be able to play at the same level there. I mean, obviously anything can happen. And we've seen like a lot of these players like end up playing in cold environment just fine, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, and I, I saw some more news today saying UVA and, like, a couple other ACC schools are thinking about moving to the uh, SEC. So, like, it's really going to become, like, two big super leagues at that point. Well, just I more also and more... think – sorry, keep going. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, like, it's just – at some point it's just going to be, uh, like, all these big conferences are just going to dissolve and then they're just going to, like, merge with other conferences. Yeah, I I think this could actually like, be a good thing for college football and make it a little more interesting because like year in and year out we see like Bama and Georgia and Clemson, Ohio State just like dominate college football and their respective conferences, but I feel like once we get like we're going to have USC, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, all those really good teams in one conference. And we're going to have Clemson probably joining the SEC, Oklahoma, Texas. Like, I have a feeling this is going to help out the worst, the the bottom teams in each conference. Like, players are going to want to go there. Like, to say, players will be more inclined to go to Rutgers in Maryland as opposed to, like, others, like, top teams in the Pac-12 that are left, you know? Because yeah. they're gonna, they're gonna want to be in that, all that competition. It's gonna make them look better. They're gonna get better as players, and help prepare them for the next level. So I have a feeling. I mean, yeah, the best teams are still gonna be there every year, but I think it'll be a little more interesting, and we might see like two or three losses might not be the end of your season. Yeah, I mean, they also I think like, I don't think it should be anyway. Like I think. It's a general consensus that the college football playoff system is terrible. I mean, I'm not saying that they need to do a March Madness sort of thing because I just think that that, that would take away. But I think that, you know, kind of having like more, like more, having more teams is not going to hurt you. Like what one of my friends has always said is like have the every conference winner of the of the five power five conferences and then have three at-large bids for just, you know, whoever would be good. So, like, this year, like, Georgia would have been an at-large bid because they didn't win the SEC, but, like, they would have gotten a spot, which I, I think that that's a great idea, personally. But, obviously, now with these, you know, all these teams moving over to different conferences, it, it probably wouldn't have to be that way. But I think you can still expand it to, like, eight, maybe ten teams, whatever you want to do. I don't know. that Me, personally, that's just what I would do. I think that it, like – the four team format is the worst cuz no one cares about the bowl games it's literally just for money like yeah I, I don't know i i think that what they what they're doing now is just not i mean i'm still watching them like i'm still invested i i love college football and like 
for Penn State, my goal every year is to be a bowl game. So I guess like it's kind of contradicting what I just said, but I don't know. Like the the playoffs, like the it's clear that the committee is picking the same like out of the same like six or seven teams every year, just which teams is going to make it in which kind of year. But yeah, I don't know. I I think that the system is bad. I I don't know. I think that moving like the two super conferences could be a good and bad thing personally, because I think it, it makes like, like Jason said, like if you have two losses, three losses, like it's not at all the end of your season because like it, it the schedule is just going to end up being harder and harder, but it also makes it like no one's going to care about any other conference besides those two. Yeah. I was going to say it, like, if you're like a, at least notable D1 school that's at least in those conferences, you'll have, like, a better shot at, like, having a good chance of getting at, a, like, a higher bowl game or just, like, may- maybe, like, making the playoffs or something, right? Like, with a couple, like, two to three losses compared to, like, an undefeated BYU team down the road in, like, three years or so. Yeah, just exactly. because these conferences are just so highly competitive. I still don't really understand why UC- USC and UCLA are the ones, like, moving. Like, I don't know. I feel like everyone West would have just stayed West just to – reduce travel and all that like if if some like the ACC schools got like like brought into the Big Ten I think that that would make a lot more sense I don't know I, I just kind of always thought that like everyone on the west would always stay west and they wouldn't have to you know again literally like you play what it's like 12 uh, regular season games in college football I think so yeah like I I think it's be just, on the road I think maybe these programs are kind of panicking because they see other teams or in schools trying to go to different conferences and they don't want to be left out and so they're kind of just taking whatever opportunity they can get yeah very true and this is also like it's still going to take a while for this to all happen i mean it's we still have have two two years we still have two seasons for just usc and ucla to move over and then i think we have like three seasons until oklahoma and texas join the sec and that's like those are only four teams. Like we still have a lot more that that needs to be figured out before. Like, is it all going to be two super conferences? Like we were saying, but yeah. All right. Enough about college football. Before we get to the division preview, I had an argument with, well, not really argument, but like I had a debate with one of my friends or actually two of my friends. And it was uh, who had the more impressive season last year. And it's between uh, Jamar Chase and Debo Samuel. I wanted to just kind of know what you guys were thinking about that. Yeah. uh, When you first brought this up, like, I didn't really have, like, a clear and obvious answer right away. I I really had to think about it. And, like, I still am thinking about it because, you know, both players had amazing seasons. And, like, I don't think anyone really expected it. Like, Debo's – he's been a solid player in his first few seasons, but his role kind of changed. And I think that's what really elevated him. And then with Jamar Chase, like everyone thought he was going to be a bust after what we were hearing in the preseason and to see him like go out and perform the way he did. And I don't want to say transform the Bengals offense, but like just the addition of him made them so much better. And thinking about it, I think, I think I would lean towards Jamar Chase's season being a little better or more in, impressive to me just because the Bengals 
were not a good team before they drafted him. And I, I get you can say Joe Burrow was injured most of last year, but like even when he was playing, like it, they were different. And sure, he was a rookie. There's a lot that goes into it, but just the way his addition was able to bring them to the Super Bowl while with Debo, like I feel like a lot of what happened with him was like just in a good situation. Like the scheme really helped him. Obviously, he's still a great player, but they just found ways to get him the ball and he had and give him space to keep running. Like, I feel like Jamar kind of did more of it. Voted, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to add to what um, Jason just said, I totally agree with that. And I think also, like, if I know we're like just looking at last season, but like, just looking at how, like, this like going into next season, Debo doesn't even want to be in that role anymore. I believe. I think he just wants to be purely like a wide receiver and not like the gadget guy as well. And I just I think all the stuff, all the circumstances that the Bengals had, being having a worse O line and such, and still uh like Jamar producing the way he is, just being able to like even if like like Joe Burrow threw like uh, bad balls and stuff, because I think he. Like Joe Burrow led the league in interceptions, or like was up there too. But uh, I just, I just think Jamar had like a more notable season, off of the like all the circumstances given. I yeah, I, I it seems like I'm very alone on this. I mean, everyone knows that I'm a big Debo guy. I had he won, you know, I had him for fantasy, and I just, I didn't really like rooting for him. I I think it's Debo, honestly. Look. Like, what Jamar was able to do as a rookie was incredible. What, he had, like, 1,500 yards? I think he was second in the league in yards, like that. But, I mean, Debo literally took on a second type of position in the season. Like, no one really has done that. The only people who have have failed, being, like, Tavon Austin and, I mean, I guess Cordero Patterson didn't really fail at that, but Debo was obviously better. Um I don't really know any uh, any other examples like that off the top of my head, but I don't know. I personally think like the fact that Debo was so good last year as a wide receiver in the beginning of the season, and then he was able to completely switch to another position and still be really effective off of that was is pretty like incredible. I mean, he carried the ball almost sixty times, had three hundred sixty five yards, eight rushing touchdowns, and yeah, like saying like a lot of it probably is on the scheme, but like. It doesn't like the scheme doesn't change the fact that Debo is the best yak player in the league. I mean, he also like he's probably the best like with the ball in his hands and like after the catch we've ever seen. Which like when you look at it from that way, he went from a I mean, and arguably like you can say he was a nobody like beforehand. Like, would you guys? I, I don't know if I'd say like a nobody, but he was just like an average receiver. Like. I think everyone had, like, Ayuk as the breakout player that year, this yeah, year, last year. exactly. So, like, he wasn't even considered to be the wide receiver one on his team, which I guess Jamar really kind of wasn't. No, nah, I would still say that Jamar was drafted fifth overall, even though he was, you know, maybe not having the best offseason. I think he was definitely still considered the wide receiver one going into the Bengals last season. So, Debo was kind of considered, like, the third option on this offense after Kittle and after Ayuk, and it's on a run for his offense. And – so, yeah, he went from a sort of nobody to 
in one season, people are calling him, and I would agree, the best yards after catch player of all time. Jamar, you know, has very elite traits. He's a great route runner. He can get open and he scores a lot. But I think that Debo, I, I, I mean, if you're asking me who I'd rather for the future, it's probably Jamar Chase. But if you're asking me who had the better season last season, I think it's got to be Debo Samuel. You also have to, like, kind of go with the fact that Debo carried them in the playoffs. Like, he quite literally, the Cowboys game was, a lot of that was on him. He had, a like, a 50-yard rushing touchdown in that game. When you look at the uh, the Packers game, he didn't score in that game, but he converted, like, two third and sixes pretty much by himself in plays that were drawn up for him. In the Rams, he uh, the Rams game, he was the one that scored. I don't know if he was the first score, but I'm pretty sure he was for the Niners. And again, just like an incredible like yards after catch play where he just couldn't go down and he scored in that game as well. Obviously, they didn't win that game, but I think what he was able to do, not only in the regular season, like going before that, but then in the playoffs as well. Like I, I personally view playoff like, I don't know. I guess I wouldn't call it playoff. I guess playoff like performance. Like I weigh that a lot higher than I do in the regular season. And obviously Jamar was great, but what like people are also like talking about with Jamar Chase is that he had so many yards in his rookie year, 1500, but Debo for, you know, half the season being a running back still had 1400 yards. So he was only a thousand yards off of Jamar Chase after being a running back for half the season also. So I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting question. I personally think Debo more impressive season. That's just my opinion. I don't know if anyone else has anything to say about no, that. No, no. I understand what you're saying with like the stats and all. I just feel like Jamar had a bigger impact on his team than Debo did. Like, yeah, sure, he did. Sw- he did technically switch positions halfway through the year, but I feel like his role was still like kind of similar. Like, it's not like Debo was like out running like all these different routes and running the, you know, fly routes and all that stuff. Like he was kind of just doing like short work and then like running after the catch. And so they're like, all right, well we can just do the same thing, but line him up in the backfield and also give him carries. Like he did switch positions, but like, I don't think it was as big of a switch as you, you didn't think of just like why straight up wide receiver to running back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. I just I just weigh like um, Jamar's impact on the team more, and that's why I say it's so impressive, especially because he was only a rookie and he didn't have a great um, preseason. Yeah, that is that is definitely true. I mean, like his role, his, like yeah, he did like acquire basically a second position, but it didn't change as much as like I don't know, maybe other people would say. I don't know. I just think that the fact that like. He he's probably the best yards after catch player of all time, and we didn't know that basically until this season. And the fact that he carried on that like uh, had a, uh, that title, I guess, like towards the playoffs and like literally won them playoff games. Like if like like here's a different kind of question. Like if Debo wasn't there, would the Niners have won any playoff games last year? The answer is probably not. And if Jamar wasn't there, I feel like there was definitely still better chance that they like these I think that the Bengals have a better chance of getting to where they went last year without Jamar Chase than the Niners did without Debo Samuel well I don't know my my thinking is I don't even think the Bengals would have made it there without Jamar just based oh, on no, in either. the past yeah I, I don't either but I'm saying like 
say they both like tore their ACLs once the playoffs started. Obviously, this would never happen, or at, mm-hmm. at least I hope so. But like, if they both ended up just like they lost them going into the playoffs, like I feel like the Niners would have been more fucked. I feel like the Niners would have been more like a uh, well off just because they're just so adaptable and like they can just find some like solution with having my, uh, Kyle Shannon as your head coach. Like they'll find something to do if they lose Debo. I was gonna say they have like so many running backs and like Elijah Mitchell broke it. Like they had so many players. I feel like that could kind of just fill in for him. Or I don't want to say fill in because obviously Debo is, I guess you could say the best running back on the team. But I I think they would have definitely found ways just because of the way that offense is ran. I guess. And, I mean, even with the, the game against the Packers, like, if their defense didn't perform as well as it did, like, Debo could have done all he could and it maybe wouldn't have even mattered. So, I guess I can kind of understand that. I don't know. I just I mean, think, like, yeah, both players were great and impacted their teams a lot. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's a tough question. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's yeah, it's it's close for me. I mean, what Jamar was able to do, not only after like the hate that he was getting in the off season, but like people were so like against that pick in general for the Bengals, and mm-hmm. like he very much lived up to that. And I mean, I don't know. I just think that like one of the things that people are very like adamant for Jamar Chase is that he has the most yards after one season ever. But like Debo again, like with acquiring a new role that is completely different from Jamar Chase. It's like, like the, the way that Debo plays receiver, like that's not like you shouldn't be getting 1,405 yards with that. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I got that. like he, he's kind of like that gadget receiver. Like if he was able to eclipse like 1100 yards this year, I would have been impressed. Whereas Jamar is kind of that do it all receiver that can, you know, run every route that Debo kind of, not that he can't, but he isn't like told to, and he still was able to do that. And again, when you were going into the playoffs, going like towards the end of the season, like that wasn't even what was so impressive about Devo Samuel and like what he was able to do running the football as well. So I don't know. I, it is a good question. Like, I don't think you're stupid at all if you say the answer is Jamar Chase because it, it definitely like, you know, he was definitely very impressive. What he's he probably had the best rookie season of all time. But I don't know. I think that I just I was more impressed like after the season with. Debo than I was with Jamar, me personally. Um, okay, are we set to move on to the division preview? Yes. Yeah. All right. So, uh, <clears throat> obviously, we took the first half hour to talk about other stuff. What I was planning on doing is to do like we'll do, we would do four shows of these. One would be the E. One would be the north, and of each one would be the south. One would be the west, and we would do it with each conference. But again, I, 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 we, I wanted to do that Devo and Jamar thing. The Baker to Carolina thing happened. The thing with the Big Ten merger is happening. So obviously, we had a lot more to talk about. So I didn't want. I don't want to like. I didn't want to make it too long. I didn't want to make it like that. And also, James is back. We uh, the fifteenth. So I think it would be another week anyway until we he would come back for the next show so i didn't want to do basically half the teams before he came back so what we're going to be just doing for this one is the afc east and we will be probably doing the nfc east and maybe some other kind of little debate like that next week um but yeah the afc east uh we're going to be going over just like like what do you what do you guys think like your overall thoughts on this division 
Like what 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 are we what what should we what should people expect about the AFC East this year? Um, I think there are a lot of a lot of good teams. Um, I think the Jets will be better than they were last year. I mean, it's going to be hard for them to go backwards. Like they've got a second year QB, hopefully an improved offensive line. Had a pretty good draft. Um, I think they'll be better. Patriots are always going to find ways to win, no matter what. Um, Dolphins, obviously, we know their improvements. Getting Tyreek Hill. Um, And then the Bills, I mean, personally, I have the Bills having the best record in the year, in the season, and winning the Super Bowl. I think they're going to be really good. Like, they have no holes on that roster. It's a well-coached team. Like, especially with the way they ended last year and that heartbreaking playoff loss, I think this is their year. Oh, really? They're your Super Bowl pick? Yeah. As of, well, as of right now. Interesting. Wait, out of the AFC or just to win the whole thing? To win the whole thing. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean... Yeah, sorry. Jared, you go. No, no, you can go. Okay. Yeah, so I, I really, like, if there was, like, a theme, I would say, like, this is, like, the AFC East is, like, the the division where everyone has something to prove. Like, the Bills want to prove that, like, they like they can win it all this year. The The Jets believe that they, they have what it takes to, like, at least make the playoffs. The the Dolphins, I, I'm sure they also believe that they can make the playoffs. And the Patriots, obviously, have the greatest coach of all time. They have their goals as well. So I just think everyone has some high aspirations for the season. No one in this division looks like they're trying to tank at all. So I think everyone – Due to everyone's like competitive, high competitive nature this season, I think there's going to be like one or two teams that are just going to somehow like fall off just because of how competitive it is. I I think the way you put it with like everyone is something to prove is a perfect way to put it because like you, like you said like the and Jason said like the Bills had a heartbreaking loss last year. I mean, this is kind of two years of them, two years in a row of them being like one of the best teams in the AFC. Can they finally get over that hump? Can they prove Kansas City, the Patriots? Mm-hmm. Like, Mac Jones, like, they brought that team to the playoffs last year. It was very, like, impressive that they were able to do that. But, I mean, Mac Jones did not prove that he was a guy that's going to win them a whole bunch of games, kind of the system and the defense and the running game. The Dolphins, obviously, they got a lot better. Can Tua take that, that year three leap that we're all kind of expecting him to? And the Jets, obviously, like, Zach Wilson's very unproven. They, they did a lot this offseason, I think, to, like, help him. I, like, are they going to be able to – is he going to be able to prove something? So, yeah, I think that, like, the way you put it, like, everyone kind of has something to prove. That is a really, really good way to put it, in my opinion. But I, I agree with Jason. Like, I, I – there's no way that the Bills lose lose this division. I, I would be – I would be shocked. Yeah, yeah I, th- I have to agree with that, too. I think if it like, I think this and the NFC South are like the two divisions that I would be like extremely shocked if the Bills like, like the Bills or Bucks like I think that they're gonna want run away with it personally. Yeah, funny that you bring that up. I so like I said, like I have the Bills winning the Super Bowl. I I went through the schedule and like just made predictions kind of early. And that's I have Bills Bucks as my Super Bowl. I yeah I'm I'm I don't know I think the Bills is tough just because 
Well, no, it's not that they're tough. I just like there's so many other teams in the AFC that I really like. Mm-hmm. And whereas the NFC, I like, I think it's going to be the Bucks at the NFC. Whereas the AFC, it's tough. Like I really like Buffalo. Obviously, Josh Allen has proved that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. What he can do with his arm and his legs, uh, I think that we can definitely be seeing an MVP season from him. Uh, you also have to like like with the Bills, they did lose two of their receiving options in Cole Beasley and um, what's his name Emmanuel Sanders. But I do like what they did to improve. Uh, they well, I mean, they also got Jameson Crowder. They got James Cook to help in the running game as well. So I think that the Bills will be all right. I don't really think that losing Beasley and Sanders is going to be that much of a difference. Their defense will be fine. Trey White should be back. You know, maybe if the Bills had Trey White for that playoff game, does Tyreek Hill break off that huge run? I think he's going to be a huge thing to come back as well for Buffalo. Yeah, like you said, um, Beasley and Sanders are gone, but like, I don't really see that as a negative thing. I kind of see it as another player who is probably going to have a huge breakout this year, which I'll talk about later. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I don't really – again, I like the a- the rest of the teams in the AFC too much. I don't see a whole – like, I-, I don't see as huge of, a, of an improvement for the Dolphins as others. I think that the Jets, you know, they're still a few years away. They still got a lot that they need to work on. I, I feel like the Jets are kind of going to be like the Lions of this year where they're going to be in a bunch of games. They're just not going to end up winning them. I don't know. That's just kind of what I I think that's a good comparison. And then the Pats, like, do I see them getting 10 wins again? Probably not. But a lot of people are saying they're one of the worst teams in the AFC, which I mean, because it's so stacked, maybe they are, but I still think that they're a team that can win like eight games. They still have Bill Belichick at the helm. I'd agree. I think it's very competitive in the AFC. And yeah, even though the Patriots roster is doesn't look great, like that's what we were saying last year. Like we didn't think they would do well, and they ended up making the playoffs. So exactly. anything can happen. All right, so uh, we're gonna be, you know, three little fun kind of things that we're gonna be doing for each division. Like I said, uh, we're gonna be going over what what like rookie everyone's most excited about. Uh, I'll I'll just kick this off first. Um. I'm really excited about Garrett Wilson. He was one of my favorite prospects in this entire draft. I think that he's going to slot in there. And, yeah, it's a crowded offense for the New York Jets because you have, uh, you know, they they drafted a running back in Brees Hall, and they have Michael Carter that they had last year. So they have a decent running game. They signed two tight ends in Tyler Conklin and C.J. Uzama. They, uh, They also have Elijah Moore. They have Corey Davis that they got last year. But I just personally think that Garrett Wilson's skill set, he's going to come in there and immediately be the wide receiver one. We've seen, like, really good wide receivers come from Ohio State with Michael Thomas and Eric Florin, just to name a few. And when I wa- – I mean, I say this all the time, but Garrett Wilson kind of reminds me of Jalen Waddle. Like, you know, you can give him, like, an end around and he's really fast and he can get you the first down. Or he can just be that really great route runner, go deep. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's going to immediately come in here and kind of be the wide receiver one. I'm not seeing like a Jamar Chase um, kind of season or Justin Jefferson kind of season where he gets 1,400 yards, but I don't think that 1,000 yards is at all out of the possibility. And I think that Elijah Moore is going to be a nice slot guy, and you have Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis to go on the outside, and I think Garrett Wilson definitely better than Corey Davis is, at, at least at this point in his career. So 
you know, this, this pick at 10 overall, I thought was a really good move. And I'm, yeah, I definitely think that the Jets are trending up. And I think that this is like a reason as to why a lot of people want to label this team as the next Bengals. I don't really know if that's going to happen, but if, if it does happen, this is your Jamar Chase. I think that's, that's fair. Yeah. Like Gary Wilson, it, yeah, they're probably not going to be like the next Bengals, but you think about it, like they kind of have a crowded receiver room. They have Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and then they add in a, a top top talent uh, receiver from the draft. It's kind of similar to the Bengals. Like they had T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins was drafted not too long before, and same with Elijah Moore. But so I mean, yeah, it could happen. I I don't see it happening. Like uh, no one I, saw the Bengals happening, so you never know. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah, I, I think Garrett Wilson should be very good. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I remember there was there was a report. This is kind of off topic, but there was like a few reports last year at a like Bengals camp that the defense was dominating the offense. Mm-hmm. I think I saw that too. I, I was just like, that's a that's a real problem. Like. Because the the Bengals poured in so much for their offense, like obviously drafting Joe Burrow the year before, they had Jamar Chase uh, that they just got, T. Higgins that they just got, and I was like, if that is happening, that's a real problem. But obviously, it ended up, you know, they proved everyone wrong. And I mean, the Jets have been terrible over the last few years. That is, you know, not at all a secret. But I don't know. Zach Wilson definitely showed some flashes last year. I think him and Garrett Wilson will have a nice connection. All right, um, I'll move on to my favorite rookie in the AFC East. And so I was already talking about the Bills for a little bit, so I'm going to continue on with them. And my favorite rookie is James Cook. So like all of last year and even years past, I feel like the one thing the Bills have been missing is a running game. You know, they've had Devin Singletary. They drafted Zach Moss. They had Matt Breida this past year. But they never really had, like, a true workhorse running back. You know, a guy you can count on on third down or fourth down to get the first down. Obviously, they have Josh Allen who can do, like, a QB sneak and can run the ball well. But I feel like a true good running game has a good running back who can get you those yards too because, obviously, they can't use Josh Allen's legs all the time. They don't want him to get injured. Um, so I think James Cook could be that guy. I feel like when you look at running backs coming out of college, you normally like the running backs who haven't, you know, been worn out in college, haven't run the ball like 200 times every season. Um, you look for the guys who are still fresh, and that's like something with Josh Jacobs. Like he didn't really run the ball too much at Alabama because it's a loaded backfield, and it's ended up working out. Um, that's what I feel with James Cook. He was always splitting carries at Georgia with Zamir White. So oh, that's right. Yeah, I feel like he's going to come into the league fresh. He's a good athlete. I mean, obviously, he's got the genetics with Dalvin Cook. He's a great running back. I don't know if he'll be just like him, but you know, hopefully, he can get somewhere near that level. I, I'm i hoping he can take over a worker, workhorse role in this offense, but Singletary's still there. Yeah, Singletary. Zach was, Moss is still there, right? Think, yeah, Singletary was really good, like, towards the end of last He was, year. yeah. That's the only thing that I don't like about James Cook. I loved him as a prospect. I just, like, I just think Singletary is, like, Good enough. Like I, I think it's gonna be like a fifty-fifty split. I yeah. Think. I but think the, 
James Cook, like being a rookie, like that's kind of like enough. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like that's a successful season. If you can 50, 50 split a guy who was really good at the end of the year already in your rookie season. Like, I think that that's like a good, a good start to your career. If you're doing that. I wonder though, like was Singletary's end of the season as impressive as we think? Cause like, He's been there a couple years now, and what? So all of a sudden, the end of the of last year, he becomes like a starting running back. I, yeah, very sure. I don't know. I feel like they would have saw that before, and they wouldn't have given Zach Moss like a pretty decent role or like inconsistent role. I guess they wouldn't have signed Matt Breida. Like, I think he kind of just took advantage of matchups, and teams saw how dominant Josh Allen was passing the ball to Diggs, like Beasley, Sanders, Davis, like all those guys. And they're able to just like get some big runs in. Like I know one of those games where Singletary had did really good was against the Falcons. So like, and this is also in the snow. I, I remember watching. Yeah. Game. How much can you really put that on Devin Singletary being good? I, I feel like it's more of, what was going on around him impacted the run game and allowed him to do so well because no one was really focused on him. Yeah, that's that's the point. Uh, yeah, I think Cook is like towards the end of the season, like he's going to be like one of those guys that like I feel like it's kind of like a Javante Williams Melvin Gordon situation where like towards the end of the year, like he's going to be a like fantasy winner. If that I could sense. see that, yeah. All right, Trisha, who do you got for your rookie of the year? All right, yeah, so my rookie of the year, I'm going to Jets as well. I'm taking Sauce Gardner. I think – I just think, like, all the accolades that he picked up in college with his last season be allowing zero touchdowns is just insane. And obviously I know, like, ESPN and all are going to go crazy when he allows his, like, first touchdown in the NFL. <laughs> but Who did I just think it's a – Huh? I'm not – sorry, keep going. Yeah, so, like, I mean – it's it's gonna be an interesting conversation because I feel like Sauce might take like a year to develop, but like I still think like he's gonna have like some insane highlights this year. I don't think like I think it's just also interesting because like they had the opportunity to select uh who's the who's the other cornerback, the guy from LSU? Stingley. Stingley, Derek Stingley, yeah. They had the opportunity to select him instead, but uh they didn't, so like Seeing a guy like Sauce going from a team like Cincinnati, taking them all the way to the college football playoffs was insane, along with De- Desmond Ritter and everyone else on that team. But I just think he like him him his addition will definitely be great to this Jets team. And I think having Bob Sala on that uh, as the head coach will fire him up. Yeah, their first game is against Baltimore and then Cleveland. So I feel like they're like he should be, I don't know who was first touched. And then they play the Bengals. So like after that, he definitely should let yeah, up. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I I personally like Stingley a lot better. Mm-hmm. Me personally, but I still think Sauce is like obviously like what I, he college. Like he deserved a high draft pick. Like I think he could definitely be like an AJ Terrell type player, where like he's not allowing touchdowns, but like he's also not like. He's not getting too many interceptions, but, like, he's just really good on defense. Like, yeah. He's not going to be a Trayvon Diggs where he's just getting every interception available. Yeah. All right. So, the next thing that we kind of wanted to touch on is someone in this division who we call overrated. Shrieker called this the uh, the Trayvon Diggs Award, which I think is pretty yeah. um, 
I guess I'll just start it. Uh, I'll just start again. I. It's not even that it's overrated because I feel like a lot of people kind of don't really love this move. But I just think that the hiring of Mike McDaniel to be this Dolphins coach is terrible. I just, I don't know. I don't like really anything that Miami's been doing since they've gotten to a. I just think like I, I'm, they've made a lot of moves, but I just think that they just don't really fit this offense. Like you can't tell me that this is one of the worst offenses for Jalen Waddle to be on. And he had such a great start to his rookie year. I think that he could be so much better anywhere else. And they just got Tyreek Hill. We saw how great of a receiver he was with Patrick Mahomes. That was probably the perfect quarterback for Tyreek Hill. And now you go to Tua, who has one of the worst arms in the entire league. I don't think that Tua's good. I don't like him. And this team gets a whole, like, clusterfuck of running backs in uh, – what's his name? Sony Michelle, Raheem Mostert, who just gets hurt all the time, which Sony Michelle does as well, and Chase Edmonds. You, like you just get three injury riddled running backs. I think they signed Philip Lindsay as well. So like No, I, I think that was last year. Like it was during the Oh, that's that's right. Something like that, yeah. Um, but still, like they they like you know what I mean? Like they're just getting like all these like injury riddled running backs. He comes from the Niners who like the Niners offensive coordinator, which I don't really think, like, how much did he really do to help that team? I think it was mostly Shanahan. And I know that, like, that can kind of sound contradictory because I like Kevin O'Connell as the Vikings coach, who was the Rams offensive coordinator. But I feel like, like, the Vikings offense was kind of very established already, whereas, like, you know, you have Kirk Cousins, who's been a solid quarterback. You have Jefferson and Thielen, which is one of the best receiver duos or existing wide receiver duos in the league. You have Dalvin Cook, who's a great running back. This team, all they, like, they signed Mike McDaniel, and then they just literally – like, they tried to get everyone. They got Tyreek Hill. They got um, – what's his name? Um, shit. Uh, oh, and, like, all those three running backs. Like, all those guys are new. They were not on the team before. Oh, yeah, and they also have Miles Gaskin. So, I don't think that, like, getting this new young coach who's, like, 31 years old to go along with, like – Four or five new offensive faces. Like, I, there's no way that all of that is going to end up working. I also don't really like the depth at wide receiver on this team. Like, if Tyreek or Waddle goes down, it's just one of them two and nothing else. I, I don't know. I just, I think the Dolphins. Like, I, I'm, I'm just not a fan of the team at all. I mean, if I, I kind of, I kind of agree with you. Like, I think the Dolphins will be a pretty decent team. They do have a good defense, but I think what'll hold them down in the end is just how bad their offensive line is. Like, their one of their main struggles last year was not being able to run the ball, and the answer to that is not bringing in new running backs. It's getting a better offensive line. I feel like yeah. they didn't do much of it. They did sign Teron Armstead, right? Yes. Yeah. I I think that's gonna help out more in the passing game than running game because like <clears throat> he's just a left tackle, like he. That that's more of like passing game than running game to me. Like running game, you need a full offensive line. Like Tron Armstead's gonna hold off some edge rushes, but one guy isn't gonna change the whole offensive line. Yeah, I I agree. I don't I don't like this team at all. Like I hot take. Like I, I think Shrieker has been. We we've we've talked about this. Yeah. Well, not even that. Like I was saying, like you kind of usually bring the hot takes on this show. And James has had his fair share of them as well. But I feel like I've been kind of relatively safe. This is going to be mine. I think that the Dolphins will win no more than six games this year. 
I really just don't like them. I think that, you know, I think the Bills will probably sweep them, and I think that they'll split amongst the rest of the division. Other than that, I just don't really like anything on this team. I've seen enough of Tua where he's not my guy. I just don't like him. This team was exactly the same when Jacoby Brissett was starting for them last year, and they were a lot better when Ryan Fitzpatrick was there as well. I just, I'm not a fan. You're going to see injuries as well. And again, like if if one of those two receivers get hurt for an extended period of time, I think that they're even, they're they're pretty fucked. Because they also trade, like Albert Wilson isn't there anymore. And, uh, Devontae Parker isn't there anymore. I mean, those guys aren't, you know, doing anything crazy. But, yeah, I don't know. I just don't like them. You're telling me Logic is going to fail in his first year as a head coach? Yeah, I don't know why he looks exactly like Logic. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I would be pretty surprised if he gets, like, fired. But, but I, I don't know. I, I just – I don't like the. I don't like the. I don't like the hire. I don't like the. I don't like any of it. He was also like. I feel like he was one, like not one of the last ones to be hired. They picked him over like a bunch of. I think that they were pretty good candidates. I mean, what do I know compared to NFL GMs? But still. I mean, I think they also like they're really trying to gun for Tom Brady and just failed. So that they're just like that is true. They were like scraping for just whatever. Whatever's flashy, I guess. That is true. Interesting take. Well, for my Trayvon Diggs award, I'm also not going with a player. I I think the Jets draft class is overrated. Don't get me wrong. I So I think there's definitely a difference between bad and overrated, which I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily understand. Like one of, one of my huge hot takes in baseball is like Bryce Harper is overrated. Everyone's like, what, you think he's bad? No. He's just not worth how much he's getting paid because he's pretty inconsistent. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, but that all right. That's kind of off topic. But Jets draft class, like everyone's saying, it's the number one draft class this year, which it could be. I still think it's overrated. People are saying like, "Oh my god, this is like one of the best drafts of all time." Like, it, stop. No one's even played a game yet. When you think about it, they're like, "Oh, we got the best running back, the best wide receiver, the best corner." We got a good edge rusher. I mean, yeah, that's great and all, but you did that all within the first 38 picks. Now think about it. Everyone is starts off with their first-round pick and their second-round pick, like one pick per round. They weren't just given these other picks where they took Garrett Wilson and Jermaine Johnson. Like They had to trade for him. Like, they still had to give up stuff for him. Mm-hmm. They pretty much traded Jamal Adams – for Jermaine Johnson and Garrett Wilson, which this could work out. It could look like a great trade, but Jamal Adams is still an elite safety, no matter like all the memes about him and calling him Blitz Boy. Like he's still a very good safety. So he was also like really good when he was actually on the Jets. So I just feel like, you know, if they live up to their potential, sure, that's a fair trade. You know, you're going to need Garrett Wilson to become, like, a top 10 receiver for it to really be like, wow, that was an amazing trade. And then otherwise, like, they just picked based on their spot because they were bad last year. Like, this draft class isn't going to transform this team. They're still not going to be a great team. They're not going to make the playoffs. And now, addressing, like, the picks themselves, I – yeah, I think – so the Texans did have the third pick and they took Singley, right? That's yes. 
Yeah, so they yeah. didn't even have a chance at Stingley, but I just feel like he's – I like him a lot more than Ahmad or Sauscar or whatever you want to call him. Like, I think he's very overrated. Like, sure, he didn't let up any touchdowns in college, but, like, they, they're not playing the best receivers. And if you really think about it, like, a lot of that has to come down with luck and just, like, opportunity because, like, even Jalen Ramsey – undisputed number one corner in the league, and he lets up touchdowns all the time. Like, it, sometimes you just can't control it, and sometimes I feel like you just get lucky and don't let up touchdowns. I feel like, personally, if you're going your whole college career without letting up a touchdown, there's no way you're that dominant. Yeah, I understand what you mean. Yeah, I, I just – I don't know if he was worth the fourth overall pick. That's just my opinion. Obviously – Hasn't played a game yet, so what do I know? But that's just how I feel right now. I mean, everyone's talking about Brees Hall being some generational running back. Well, that doesn't make any sense because Jonathan Taylor is a generational running back. Saquon was supposed to be a generational running back. Like, How are all these generational running backs being drafted in the same generation? That makes no sense. Like... Sure, he was he was a great player in college, but I I don't think he's this like absolute stud that everyone's making him out to be. Like I think he'll be good, but like keep in mind they also have Michael Carter, who was very good last year while he did play. Like I don't I don't think he'll turn into some workhorse. Uh, obviously he could, but then I just feel like that pick in Michael Carter was worthless and Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it'll be more of a one-two punch, I feel like that would make most sense because you know Michael Carter is still good and he is still young, so you might as well use him while you can. I Don't get me wrong. I think it's a really good draft class. I just – I think it's a little bit overrated. Didn't Brees Hall have, like, an underwhelming second half of the season in college? I believe so. Yeah, yeah I thought um, two years ago he was very good and then last year he was just like, he's all right. Like, I remember preseason people were thinking, like, potential Heisman candidate just because of, like, how good of a running back mm-hmm. he is. And then, like, after, like, week five in the college play, like, regular season, no one talks about him. And then well, I feel, like with, is a big name. I feel like with the Heisman, it's more like – that's more of like a – I don't want to say it's more of a team award, but, like, you're not going to win yeah, it unless your team makes the playoffs or is very close, especially as a running back. I think there's – um. No running back has won the Heisman without making the playoffs or winning the national championship. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Yeah, I the the brief ball pick to me kind of by like the day. I don't really. I don't. He's he's probably going to make some sort of impact. Just like, do they really need much? I don't know. Uh, I just I wanted to touch on the Dolphins thing again one more time. they were the 25th worst offense in the league last year, and their defense was – this is in terms of, like, total, like, yards per game. And their defense was, like, just kind of towards the middle of the pack. I, like, they're – I don't know. I just think they're, like – like, Brian Flores was kind of the main reason. That's why their defense was high. I don't really think that there's a whole lot of great pieces on their defense. And – I think that their defense also is going to end up being worse, which is another reason why I think that they're going to like no more than like six games this year. But yeah, I don't. Know. I, I just wanted to kind of point that out as well that they're all 
and just signing a whole bunch of guys like that doesn't really always work. Maybe basketball works, but not for football. But yeah, I I, I forgot to say that. I wanted to touch on that one time. But, Didn't they do that last off season too? Like they signed just like a lot of just they went defensive heavy last off season, right? Yeah, they got um. They got Van Noy, and then I remember they cut Van Noy because, like, they just didn't like him. Yeah, I mean, like, like anything crazy. I mean, they got got someone else that I'm not remembering. I don't know, but. They, uh, the cornerbacks, right? No, they've had them. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, that's, I don't know. But, um, all right, Speaker, you can talk about your uh, overrated guy. Yeah, so uh, similar to, like, Jason's definition of overrated, my overrated pick is Mac Jones, just based off of – I just feel like compared to the additions and improvements of everyone else in the division, the Patriots haven't really done too much, really. They haven't made any – like, they got Devontae Parker, but outside of that, like, I haven't seen them really do anything. They lost J.C. Jackson to the Chargers, which I think is big. And then – they made a lot of questionable moves in the offseason and in the draft as well, picking up a guy like Cole Strange as a center and stuff like that. And, like, I just think, like, there's, like, for how the NFL is evolving, like, you know, I think some, some coaches have to eventually know, like, you don't have to draft, do the GM stuff and the and the coaching too. Like, I, I, I just don't understand some of Belichick's moves draft-wise and – I just think they could have made a lot of more like adi- like adjustments and improvements to help Mac Jones in his second year, and they just haven't done that. And I think they're kind of setting him up for failure as well, giving him Joe Judge and um, who's the guy that used to coach for the Lions. Now he's back there. He's the Patricia. Yeah, Matt Patricia. I heard they're both like going to be like co-offensive coordinators for that team, and oh, he's- I just think it's. I just think, like, that's just going to lead to them just running the ball a lot more, not even utilizing the pass game. And we saw Mac Jones in a snow game only pass the ball three times. So I just feel like they're setting him up for failure. They're Or, like, maybe you could say they're just testing him with not giving him too much help just to see, like, where he is. But I just think compared to that, like, if you look at Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence, I think they're going to they're gonna have, like, Way better improvement, a way better years than Mac Jones next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a football advisor for the Patriots. I did not know he was back, but yeah, no, they're definitely not really doing a whole lot for him. I mean, kind of the only move that they've been making to the offense is trading for Devontae Parker and signing Ramondre Stevenson, which I don't think that that's or drafting Ramondre Stevenson. I don't really think that that's like a whole lot. So, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of agree. Also, like, without – I mean, I think I like Matt Jones as a player. I don't really like him. I think that uh, losing um, – what's his uh, Josh McDaniel uh, help. I think that he's a much better offensive – like, fine people kind of credit for, but that, that's just me. Uh, the last yeah, – Yeah, sorry. I just want to say, like, I don't understand how, like, they – like, Bill Belichick or anyone in that Patriots office could have, like, seen how Joe Judge did – last year and just said, like, we need him talking to Mac Jones. I agree. Um, the last thing that, I, that we kind of wanted to talk about is, to, you know, ended on a little bit more of a positive note. We're going to go, like, kind of 
who is like an underrated player or anything or coach or whatever you think has the potential to like really kind of break out uh, for the rest of the year? I guess we'll just keep the same order. I'll, I'm, I'll start. Now I have been shitting on the Dolphins for the pretty much the better half, the back half of this, but I do really, really like Javon Holland, the guy that they drafted in the second round last year. Kind of like, you know, to have a good season as a rookie being in the secondary is very impressive. Like, there's a very short list of, like, really good safeties and corners now that were really good their rookie season. And I think that Javon Holland is a guy that is a part of that, like, very small group. And I think that he's going – like, he has potential to be, like, a superstar safety this year. So I think that that's definitely, like, one of the few things that I am – positive on for the Dolphins is that I really like him in the secondary and I think that you know like it just watch like if you don't really know who he is or you don't know a whole lot about him just like watch the tape for when he was playing against the Ravens because he was like the one of the main reasons as to why they barely scored and he was like kind of lining up all over the field and just played really well I think that he's potential to be a great great safety in this league and the fact that he was so good in his rookie year like that's a hard position to be as good in as your as a rookie so, I, I don't know. I really like Javon Holland. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I've been talking about the Bills a lot today, and I'm going to continue talking about him. I think the guy who's really going to break out this year is – I feel like this isn't like a – this isn't really a out-there pick or a hot take, I guess you could say. It, based off what he did in the playoffs – and against the Chiefs in the last game. I mean, he went absolutely insane. I, I think Gabe Davis is going to have a huge year with um, Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley gone. Obviously, they get Jameson Crowder, but he's kind of going to play more of that, like, same role as Cole Beasley, just in the slot. Like, get the quick, easy catches, quick yards. Hopefully get him some first downs. But Gabe Davis, I think him and Diggs on the outside is going to be absolutely insane. And – it could even form one of the best wide receiver duos in the league, like a top five one. Because we already know how good Diggs is, but just what he showed against the Chiefs and what was an improved defense in the second half of last season, I I think he's gonna do very well. Like he's he's six two. He's like but he looks like a bigger guy. He he weighs two sixteen. He he looks big. He can go up and get those jump balls, but he's also a lot quicker than you think. He he ran a four five four, but it looks like he plays faster than that. Like he's a pretty decent route runner too. Like we saw some plays against the Chiefs where he was just absolutely wide open in the end zone, like no one near him. He just found ways to get open, a lot of deep balls, and obviously that's gonna work well when Josh Allen is your QB. So I think Gabe Davis is gonna have a huge year next year. Fair enough. I thought you were going to want to talk about Jalen Phillips as well. I know that you really like him, too. Yeah, I was thinking of it, but I was between a few players for this because I think there are a lot of players who could really break out and have a good year. I was considering another player on the Bills, but, you know, I, I never really like to choose the player that's, like, most obvious, and I feel like Gabe Davis was, but I, I honestly think, like, he's going to have a huge year here. Kind of like almost like Chris Godwin in – um. His breakout year, you know, Tampa Bay's wide receiver room was really crowded and he was always the fourth receiver and he never really got an opportunity until I think two guys ahead of him either got injured or just left. And then he got that wide receiver two role and he was in the slot a lot. 
Yeah. And that's where he really broke out. And I kind of have a feeling Gabe Davis might do the same thing this season. All right. Enough. Shaker, what do you got for your rated player? Or yeah, player? so so uh, me and Jared over this past summer we've we've had talks here and there about the Dolphins and our thoughts on Tua and Tyreek and such. And so my favorite player or the in the in this division and a player that I feel gets way too much hate is Tua. I think I think that he's gonna have a stellar season next year and prove to a lot of haters why like he is uh, going to be a top 20 QB in this league. And I just think I just think the addition of giving him a top five wide receiver in this league is just going to give such improvements to his game. I mean, if you look at it, like, him and Tyreek have already hit it off well. It seems like they're always together. And, like, it just feels like – it feels so weird for Tyreek to go there and, like, think poorly of the QB. Like, I just don't think – there's other than the money, obviously, but like I just don't see any other reason why he'd go to Miami out of all places. But I just think Tua is definitely gonna have a lot of improvement, and I think his his arm strength will definitely improve, and he, it, they're they're gonna uh, surprise a lot of people. I I mean, look, it's all set up for Tua. It is. I just again, man, I can't I can't do it. I don't care that they got all these guys like. It's just not a thing in football where, like, if you – and, like, I remember, like, after, like, the Jags made, like, a, like a bunch of huge, like, off-season, like, moves one, like, a couple of years ago, and they just didn't do anything. And, like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of see a very similar season with this Dolphins team. I, I just don't really like them. I mean, I, I just don't like Tua, personally. I don't, I don't think he's good. I like – I just him, don't but, see, like, how, like – how they can be like worse technically by improving their wide receiver room and like maybe their I, I think their defense kind of improved too like their rookies from last year have improved Javon Holland for instance Jalen Phillips I think they'll they'll be they'll be surprisingly good yeah I think I'm like kind of in between the two of you like I don't think they will finish with under six wins like Jared says but. I don't think they're going to be anything amazing. I think they might just miss out on the playoffs. So, but yeah, like I said, I feel like the running game and how limited they are there is really going to hurt them because, yeah, Tua and Jalen Waddle last year were amazing. And now you add in Tyreek Hill. Like I, you also have Mike Kosicki. I, I think the passing game is going to be really good, and Tua is going to have a much improved season. I think it might – I don't want to necessarily say I don't. I don't think he he will improve as much. Like we know what he is, but I think the weapons around him will make him seem like he's a better QB than he actually is. Like if that makes any sense, I feel like that that happens with some other QBs where it's the weapons really make them. And I I kind of have a feeling that's what, what's going to happen here. It's 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 possible. I just I'm personally not buying it. It, like it, it definitely could happen though. Like I can definitely see this all blowing up in my face, but it's well, def- yeah. Because I mean, if you think about it, like coming out of Alabama, like some people thought he would be the number one QB taken, and th- I guess this was before Joe Burrow's amazing season. But one stat that I remember going into the draft that was really interesting was his wide receivers 
on Bama led the nation in yards after catch by a landslide. And I mean, you have Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill, you got Micah Sick, yeah. who's going to catch anything that's put up above his head. Like, they also got Cedric Wilson, who's a pretty good receiver. Like, I don't know. I think we could see something similar. Like, you got Tyreek and Jalen, who are huge, both really fast guys. Like, just get them the ball and let them run. And you could have a similar situation. I don't want to say similar situation to Bama, but like, in terms of the yards after catch, I, I think we could see that. Yeah, I think you also like give him like a super innovative, dynamic head coach, and obviously we don't know how Mike McDaniel's is gonna do, but like he just looks like he just looks like a coach that's like he's gonna like do a lot to this offense. I feel like he's just gonna make like a lot of the plays might not work, but they're just gonna be so like interesting and like innovative. They will, yeah, because it's coming from Shanahan's system, but Shanahan like isn't gonna be sharing his one hundred percent. Like Shanahan's mind is not just automatically now in Mike McDaniel. Like that's just not how it works. I don't know. They did. I, wasn't yeah. he also? He was also in like I think the Redskins earlier yeah. too in his like career too. So like I, I think I, he's he's surprisingly been in the NFL for like a weird amount of time. So I think he he has his uh, experience within the league, but as a head coach. It, I think it'll be better than like a hard nosed coach like Flores for Tua because I don't think he does well like that. I with a coach like him. I personally like look the Dolphins. It, when it came out, like they chose Brian, uh, Tua over Brian Flores, and I think in the end of the day they're gonna regret that decision. I don't know. I think what what would be interesting if Tua doesn't play well, and if I am right in this, I this could be where Jimmy Garoppolo ends up going next year because. Mike McDaniel, former Niners offensive coordinator, he knows how to work with Jimmy Garoppolo probably more than Tua. It's also probably an easier offense for uh, – like, the offense can kind of suit Jimmy Garoppolo more because it is it is a little bit of a similar offense to what there is in San Francisco. So it wouldn't really like learn a whole lot more. Mike McDaniel kind of bring at least some of that Shanahan uh, – offense to here and I think that that could really work with Garoppolo as well like if he were to be the one um, to end up trading uh, being traded there obviously that would not be now it would probably be like Jason was saying towards the end of the season but I think this could be a potential spot obviously Tua does have to fail and there is a you know probably a better chance than normal that he doesn't I just personally myself I'm not going that's just me but yeah that was I think yeah. I just want to say real quick, I think it's more likely they'll draft a QB rather than uh, get him just because of how little draft capital they have, long-term-wise. I, I mean, true. oh, you mean like to trade? Yeah, but I don't think that Garoppolo is going to go for much. Like, we just saw Baker go for a fifth-round pick because the Browns had no leverage. The Niners are going to have no leverage either. Like, people know that, like, they don't need to trade, like, I don't know. I feel like Niners they have better front office to negotiate. I mean, Browns well, gave Deshaun a fully guaranteed contract. To yeah, I that that's just I, I don't know how that's all gonna work. Yeah, if he does get up getting suspended, that's gonna be very interesting. Apparently now he's negotiating his punishment, which I don't know how you can do that. I think but... I think we're I think what I've heard is we're gonna know by next week. Huh. What happens with Deshaun? But yeah, that's what. I got, or that's what we got for, um, that, that was kind of a whole bunch of topics that we talked about, but that was the first division that we're going to be going over next week. 
We're going to be doing the NFC East, so previewing the Eagles, Giants, Commanders, and um, Cowboys. So that that should be interesting. If you thought that this one was fun, I think the next week could be even more different. Well, is, is before we sign off, is anyone going to have like in their final playoff predictions? Because I'm sure we'll do that. Uh, is it like Shrieker, Do you think you're going to have the Dolphins as one of your teams? Uh, as of right now, no. As of right now, no. Okay. Well, I obviously don't. But and Jason said he thinks he'll probably just have them just hang out. So yeah, we'll see. Um, Obviously, things could change. Maybe if, like, there are reports that Tua is, you know, playing really well in camp or Mike McDaniel's offense looks really good. Obviously, you know, my thoughts can change as well. But as of now, I just think that they're they're like the Browns of a few years ago where everyone was really excited about them going into the season and they just completely flop. That's just kind of what I think it's going to be. But we'll see. It, it could definitely be – it could definitely change from now. But um, make sure to follow us at Route Runners Podcast on – TikTok route runners pod on Instagram. Obviously check out the ultimate redraft. Like I was saying at the beginning of this uh, episode on YouTube, you can check out our fantasy, our fantasy mock draft on YouTube and uh, anything you guys want to say before we sign off. I've got nothing. Yeah, I've got nothing either. All right. Sounds good. So yeah, next week we'll be back with the East. We'll come up with something else to talk about as well. And yeah, we hope that you guys really enjoyed that and uh, stay tuned. See you guys next time. Thanks. Bye. Peace.